0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Overwhelmed by the savage determination of his refusal. "'That poor wretch has been good-looking in her time,' said Mr. Smick-Smack. "'Although it is nearly dark, I caught sight of her countenance by the light of the lamp.' "'And so did I,' whispered Lord Dunstable to Colonel Chalmadelli, who he drew aside. "'Do you know who that was?' he asked in a low and somewhat hoarse tone." "'No. How the devil should I?' said the captain, also sinking his voice, but simply because Dunstable did so. "'If that poor mendicant were not Lydia Hutchinson,' returned the young nobleman, "'I never was more mistaken in my life. But, my God, how altered!' And for a few moments his countenance became inexpressibly sad. "'What nonsense to give way to feelings of that kind!' whispered "'But she was once so beautiful,' said Dunstable. "'Do you remember the first time we ever met her in Hyde Park? "'I was thinking a deuced deal too much about Andalyn Enfield at that time. "'To bother myself about Lydia What's-Her-Name,' interrupted the Colonel impatiently. "'Come, it's of no use yielding to maudlin feelings of that kind, Dunstable. "'We are all going to dine together presently. "'And if you wear that killjoy countenance, I shall wish you at the devil.' then the captain drew the young nobleman back to the group in the window and in a few minutes the sprightly nature of the conversation banished from dunstable's mind the unpleasant reminiscences which had been temporarily excited by the sudden appearance of one whom he knew so well in the meantime that miserable female pursued her way down st james street the weather was cold dreadfully cold the streets were damp and she had neither shoes nor stockings an old cotton gown A wretched rag of a shawl and a broken straw bonnet constituted her sole attire. Not an article of clothing had she more than those enumerated. She had parted with her undergarments to obtain the means of subsistence. Not even a petticoat had she beneath that thin cotton gown. When she stopped for a moment to implore alms at the club window, it was the first time she had ever begged. She had not recognized him who had recognized her. But the stern countenance of Greenwood, as he refused her a single penny from his immense wealth, had struck her with despair. If the rich would not assist her, how could she hope for succour from the poor? She hurried down the street, weak and weary as she was, but she hurried with a sort of shuffling pace, because she was cold, and her feet were so benumbed that she could not feel that she had any. She passed many a brilliantly lighted shop, many a superb club, many a magnificent hotel, from the underground windows of which emanated the savoury steam of delicious viands. She beheld cheerful fires roaring up the chimneys of the kitchens whence those odours came. But she was starving, shivering, dying all the same. A carriage, with arms emblazoned on the panels, and with horses, whose beauty and appointments attracted the gaze of the passengers, was standing opposite to a splendid shawl warehouse. Just as the poor mendicant was passing, a tall footman, carrying a gold-headed cane in his hand, pushed her rudely back, exclaiming, "'Don't you see that you're in the way?' The shivering woman cast a timid look around, and beheld an elderly gentleman handling a lady, much younger than himself, to the carriage above mentioned. The blaze of light from the shop-window illuminated that portion of the street, and as the elegantly-dressed lady turned her countenance toward her companion to answer some observation which he had made to her, the mendicant caught a full view of her beautiful features. A scream escaped from the beggar's lips, then— in the next moment she rushed towards the door of the carriage which the gentleman and lady were just entering miss enfield aidline she exclaimed what do you want my good woman cried the voice of the nobleman for such indeed he was miss enfield i i am starving answered the beggar clinging to the door do you know her my dear asked the nobleman i i think she was once a teacher at the school where faltered the beautiful lady evidently by no means pleased at the recognition oh a teacher cried the nobleman ah it is easy to see what she has come to and he drew up the carriage window violently that was a signal for the coachman to whip his horses the fiery animal sprang forward the carriage moved off with a species of jerk the poor starving shivering creature was thrown upon the curbstone and there she lay, insensible. In a moment she was surrounded by a crowd that formed a circle about her and stood gazing on the prostrate, motionless form, as if the spectacle were very interesting, but by no means calculated to awaken compassionate sympathy. Then a huge policeman elbowed his way through the crowd, crying, "'Move on here!' in a very savage tone and crushing diverse bonnets besides upsetting sundry small boys in his endeavours to force a passage but at the same moment that he reached the spot where the poor creature was lying a lady about six-and-twenty years of age and well though by no means showily dressed pressed through the crowd and immediately bestowed her attention on the mendicant female the lady raised the unfortunate being's head and then by the light of the lamp It was discovered that she had received a wound on the temple, from which the blood was flowing freely. "'She must be conveyed to the hospital, if she's got any broken bones,' said the policeman. "'And to the workhouse if she hasn't. She shall go to neither,' observed the lady firmly. "'I will take care of her until she is recovered.' "'What? Do you know her, Mum?' demanded the policeman. "'No.' I never saw her before in my life, to my knowledge, answered the lady, but I cannot help feeling for a fellow-creature, especially one of my own sex, in such a position." A murmur of approbation arose amongst the crowd. "'Will you help me to convey the poor creature to the neighbouring surgeons?' continued the lady, addressing herself to the officer. "'See? She opens her eyes. She moves. But, my God, how wan! How thin! How cold she is! The wretched woman was removed to the adjacent establishment of medical practitioner, and in a short time the benevolent lady had the satisfaction of ascertaining that the wound on the poor creature's forehead was the only injury which she had sustained by the fall. "'She is more in need of sustenance, madam, than medicine,' said the surgeon, when he had bandaged the wound. "'I will give her a glass of wine and a morsel of light food.' This humane proposal was immediately carried into effect. The starving creature would have eaten ravenously, but the surgeon prudently checked her, and in a short time she was considerably revived. She appeared to be about seven or eight and twenty years of age, and possessed the remains of great personal attractions. But her dark eyes were sunken, and their luster was dimmed with privation. Her cheeks were hollow, and her form was little more than mere skin and bone. The lady did not ask her if she had any friends or any home. Such a question would have been a superfluous mockery of one whose appearance was sufficient to convey the sad tale of utter destitution and hopelessness. "'You shall come with me, my poor creature,' whispered the lady, in a kind tone. "'I know not who nor what you are, but I am touched to the very heart by your sorrowful condition." ah madam if you knew all began the woman bursting into tears if you knew i wish to know nothing now interrupted the lady it is sufficient for me that you are in distress the surgeon's boy was dispatched for a hackney coach into which the invalid was conveyed the lady then entered it and directed the driver to take them to her residence which was in cannon street city I have known sorrow myself, said the lady, as they proceeded thither, and, although, thank God, I have never experienced the stings of poverty, I have nevertheless been forced to endure afflictions almost as poignant. Ah, madam, returned the poor woman, such a heart as yours never ought to be tutored in the ways of unhappiness, but, as you observe, there are other afflictions which may compare with the stings of want. And the unhappy creature wept bitterly the lady endeavoured to console her to the best of her ability and even in the short conversation which passed between them during the ride from the west end to the city the invalid gave proofs of a superior understanding and cultivated mind at length they reached cannon street and stopped at a house the lower portion of which was a stationer's shop the lady occupied apartments on the first floor oh mrs chichester how long you have been absent exclaimed the mistress of the house who opened the door i really began to be alarmed thanks for your kind consideration interrupted viola with a smile for the benevolent lady was none other than the neglected and persecuted wife of mr chichester i have brought home a poor creature whom i found insensible dying in the streets and i request you to provide a room for her "'Ah, my dear lady, what an excellent disposition you possess!' exclaimed the mistress of the house. Then she bustled about to help the invalid upstairs, and the poor creature speedily experienced a feeling akin to happiness when cheered by a comfortable fire and a good meal. Mrs. Chichester also supplied her with warm clothes, and a night's rest made her an altered being.' On the following day she was enabled to narrate her history, which she did in the ensuing manner. End of section forty